0: Uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, First Corinthians 15. This is a long chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing if you'd like to, but, you know whenever you've got your pastor who comes up with like 10 pages worth of notes, you know you're in trouble. But, um, First Corinthians 15. Let me, let me just pray real quickly once again. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Lord, pray that you will let this be um, not just information. Lord, I don't want to just be passing from my notes to the notes of everybody here without passing through the mind of either one. Lord, let it be life-giving. Let it be transformative. And let, Lord, let, it, let us help. Let, let your word Help us to be able to give the gospel to others. In Jesus' name, Amen. A number of years ago, um, anybody had the experience of getting a knock on the door, and you go up and you go to the door, and you have there's a couple of usually guys, but sometimes a man and a lady standing there, and they're saying, "Hey, have you uh, have you been to church?" And I've I've got this uh, book for you. I, I was sitting in the office when um, we were at the church in Franklin one day, and Ruth calls me up. She said, Ryan, a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses just came to the door. I'm sending them your direction. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. So I, I invited them in. I sit down and chatted with them, and, and I, I figured they'd, they'd, take, they'd walk in and walk right back out, and they, they didn't. We sat down and talked for quite a while, and then they ended up c- coming back. They, they came back you know, um, for probably four or five months, you know, we sit down and, and talked, talked scripture together. And something that really, really convicted me that they said, uh, um, they, they told me, so they said, when you guys get together as a church, talking about because they knew I was a pastor, of course, I'm sitting there right there in the church with the sanctuary right, you know, on the other side of the wall. So when you guys get together as a church, you guys get together and just have a, a worship service. You, get, you sing songs and have a sermon. He said, "When we get together, we get together and learn how to witness." And that was really convicting to me because, you know, we're we're the ones with the truth. They they have a little bit of the truth and a lot of the what surrounds it is deception. But we have we have the truth, and yet they're number one getting together and learning to be a witness, learning how to, um, if you will, argue the faith, learning how to share the faith, learning how to um, go up to somebody, cold turkey, and say, this is, this is what we believe, this is what, how you should believe, and let me show you how to do it, and I, I think sometimes, you know, we just don't have that as much, and we should, we should, we should learn how to share our faith and learn how to um, do that boldly uh, and do it well. And so this morning, I'm hoping that some of what uh, we're going to go through this morning is going to do that. Now I, I know that, um, I'm not planning on everybody here being an apologist. Um, that does not mean you're going up to everyone and telling them you're sorry, right? <laughs> a, and a, an apologist is, is someone who, who defends the faith. They, they they're kind of a cross between a, a philosopher and a, a Christian, right? They're, they are combine logic and philosophy and uh, say, okay, this is, this is how you defend the faith. This is how you, you, you break down all the arguments against it and say this is, this is the truth. I don't plan on you guys all becoming apologists for the faith, but we all need to have some of it. We all need to be able to defend the faith to a at least a small degree. And what we find in 1 Corinthians 15 is Paul a lot defending the faith. And so I thought this would be a good opportunity to go through some of the defense of the faith because that's what Paul did. Let me, let me read just a, a smidgen of this for you. okay? Uh, for starting in verse 1. It says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel... This was, well, that's what we're talking about, right? And by the way, what is gospel again? The good news. I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve, and that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I have persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised, I'm sorry, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we're even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, If in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. But if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are all uh, men most to be pitied. We'll go on from there for just a moment. But, but what, what you need to understand is um, when we look at the letters, have anybody in here played, or yeah, well, not played, have you, you listened to somebody talking on a telephone? Okay? They're talking on the telephone. Now, you can't hear the person on the other end, right? Sometimes you can make out pretty well what the conversation's about. Sometimes you have to scratch your head a little bit and when when the person gets off the phone and say, What were you talking about? Right? You have to understand that what we get with like the book of First Corinthians is a conversation between Paul and the Corinthian church. Sometimes we have the other end of the conversation, sometimes we really don't. Because it's either come in a letter form or maybe somebody has travelled to Paul and said, This is what's going on in the church or Um, Maybe it's something that Paul saw while he was there, and all of a sudden he is, he is now addressing that in the letter. So what we are seeing is it it looks like a group of people at Corinth is saying that there is no resurrection of the dead. That's what it really presumes. What's what's happening? They're saying the dead are not going to be raised. When when once you once you die, you're you're dead like you're dead all over, dead like Rover, right? There's no resurrection. And Paul is addressing that and says, wait a second. No, it's all about the resurrection. Yes, there will be a resurrection for you, but if there's not a resurrection for you, then not, there's not even a resurrection for Christ. And if there's not a resurrection for Christ, then we are all in trouble because we've been a false witness. We've told you wrong. you believed wrong. There's no resurrection, there's no forgiveness of sin, and we are all most to be pitied. Because for Paul, it's all about the resurrection. The resurrection is of most importance. It's, It's all about the resurrection. Our entire faith is based upon the resurrection. If Jesus did not rise again, he was just a man. If Jesus did not rise again, he was just a good teacher. But because he rose again, we have a faith that we can stand on. So I want to talk a little bit about the resurrection this morning and, and give a few of a few of the arguments against the resurrection. Like I said, I know most of y'all are y- you're you're going to get snippets of this, and that's okay. And if you want the article that I'm taking this from, it's from the Handbook of Christian Apologetics uh, by um, my printer didn't work very well. I think it's Peter. It's Peter Kreef and Ronald uh, Tasselli Okay, Peter Kreef and Ronald Toseli. Um But I can hook you up with some of these arguments if you want more information. But what I want you to get out of this is It's all about the resurrection. The resurrection is the the foundational part of our Christian faith, and there are people are going to tell you if you when you start talking about the faith, um, they they will have some arguments against the resurrection. Okay, Um, and so let me put on my teacher hat for for a few minutes here, and we'll get we'll get back into some preaching. But I want to show some arguments and. Tell you why not just because of our faith, and we do have faith, and we do believe that the Bible is correct. But I want to tell you some arguments logically why the resurrection is true. Okay, um, there's there's a few different. I'm kind of copy here. We have one side that says Jesus died. Okay. Jesus died and he rose. Okay, that's us. That's Orthodox Christianity. I'm just going to do. Okay, that's Orthodox Christianity. That's what we believe, right? Jesus died, and he rose. Now, some people come down here and say, "Okay, Jesus died, but he, um, the he did not rise." Um, these are your. These are the didn'ts, all right. So the apostles were deceived. D-C-I before ei I don't. I can't spell. If anybody hasn't noticed that yet, okay. The apostles were deceived. The apostles uh, created a myth. All right. Let me. So let me break this down. The apostles being deceived. In other words, Jesus didn't rise, but somehow the apostles. Um, ended up believing it. Okay. They, the myth is, the apostles intentionally made up a myth. So the, a myth being, not not a not a lie, but they said, you know what, Jesus' teaching was so good, it's going to be like he rose in your heart. All right. It's it's like you know you know the myths like. Um, you know, myths and legends, and they make up gods and they make up scenarios. And the whole point is to tell a story and to, to um, give you something you know, to, to think about, right? right? So they, they made up a myth, is what this. Did. Jesus didn't rise. They knew it, but they made up a myth to go around it so that Christianity would continue. Okay? Again, not what we believe. Um, the next one is that the apostles were actually deceivers. Right, they intentionally just lied about it. And then the other one is, Jesus did not die. Okay, in other words, um, Jesus was put on the cross. He came off of the cross. They put him in the tomb. But he kind of resuscitated. He wasn't really dead. And uh, then he woke up, and somehow or another he got out of the tomb, which nobody can explain how that happened. All right? So um, they call that the, the swoon theory. Let me, and I'll, I'll take that one first. Um, so the, the idea that Jesus didn't actually die, he was a good teacher they just they put him on a cross he wasn't quite dead put him in a tomb um, it doesn't hold water number one the 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 Romans were really really good at pe- putting people to death they did they did not let somebody come off the cross when they were not dead okay the cross was horrible all right so they they have i eye, witness accounts in from scripture it's still the eyewitness accounts is that they they did not break his knees because he was already dead. Instead, they put a spear in his side, and the witness account from from John was that was that blood and water flowed. Okay, meaning that his lungs had collapsed, so he he was dead on the cross. All right, there's there's not much getting around that. Then um, something that some of these overlap in in Matthew, um, in Matthew 27, I. You know, I love how the devil overplays his hand. Um, he really does. You know, Matthew twenty seven. The the Jews are so concerned. They said, "Well, the, the the disciples said that he was going to rise again in three days. So let's seal the tomb." And say, so, "Okay, Roman." The Romans said, "Yeah, well, we'll seal it up really well for you." Let me just read it. Um, Uh, on the ne- this is verse 62, on the next day, the day after preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. said, Sir, we remember when, when he was still alive that the, the deceiver, Jesus, said, After three days I am to rise again. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may came, come and steal him away and say to the people, He's risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have, you have a guard, go make it as secure as you know how. They went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard they set a seal on the grave. Oh, with the stone, sorry. Okay, so this is, this is great for us, because you have a Roman guard who, if they fell asleep, would be dead themselves. And you've got a stone. If Jesus were to have not died, how is he going to get the stone moved? Right, it's a big stone, and you've got somebody who is almost dead already, dead, almost dead anyway, trying to get up in the middle of a grave and push a stone away when you've got a guard right outside. It's, it's not, it's not going to happen. The fact that, I, that, really, the the swoon idea that he wasn't really dead, is pretty much lunacy. <laughs> okay, all right, Jesus died. That is, that is the, the, the big thing, and, and, and we know that, right? Jesus died. He really died. He really had to die for our sins. Um, so, so Jesus died, but um, he didn't rise again, that the uh, uh, apostles were deceived in the matter.. Um, So it's basically a, uh, a, a that they hallucinated is the, the whole idea, that because they say, "Hey, we, we saw Jesus, right? We saw Jesus." But they the idea was, is, well, they they hallucinated, in seeing Jesus. Well, hallucinations are real, okay? I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that hallucinations are not real. People do hallucinate. However, people. Don't in a crowd who hallucinate the same thing at the same time together. All right, you might have, let, let, let's say you, you grew up in the '60s and '70s. All right, and they all hallucinated together. Okay, you everybody get in a crowd and everybody would hallucinate. Let's get you know, LSD. Okay, they didn't hallucinate the same thing. Everybody had their own hallucination right but here what you've got with scripture is that you and, and Paul even does it Paul refutes that in 1 Corinthians 15 he appeared to all of the disciples he appeared to me he appeared to those individually he appeared to them all at once he appeared to 500 people at a time 500 people don't all get the same picture right the The only answer is is that Jesus actually rose. Jesus actually rose. They they can't have all hallucinated. Number one, and number two, the, the disciples weren't what what we know of the disciples. They weren't that type of people. Okay, to to come up with a, a the, the the whole how their lives changed. They, their life does not change in the manner that their lives changed because of an hallucination. All right? Their lives completely changed. And the only, the only um, reason is because Jesus actually, uh, he actually died and rose again. Um, Um, some of these actually overlap, so that the conspiracy. Um, some people say, "Well, he didn't. He didn't rise again," but the disciples all decided to lie together. They all lied about it. They said Jesus rose. They said we saw him. But he never did. Okay. This this is this is really also easy. If if there was a lie going around, all they had to do was pull out the dead body, right? What he wrote? Well, hold on, let me let me remove the guard. Let me remove the seal. Let me remove the stone, and here he is. Lo- problem solved, right? But that's not what happened. We don't have we don't have any. Um, there, there's no stories. There's no history of anything like that happening where the, the lie went around and all of a sudden said, no, it's, it's, it's just a lie. Here's the dead body. And again, the, discip- the disciples, there were so many of them. If it had been a lie, this is one reason that um, conspiracy theories, you can't have a conspiracy theory with a lot of people in on it okay? because, um, because what will happen is somebody will give it up. If there's, oh, there's so many people who, who are lying together. And the disciples, we know, um, almost all of them suffered a martyr's death. And they, they came to them and they said, um, renounce Christ. And some of them broke. But you don't, what we do not have is somebody saying, yeah, we all made it up. We made it up. that Jesus was at, he, he, yeah, he, he actually, uh, he didn't rise. We, we took the body and we put it over here and hid it. You don't have that at all the disciples' lives changed and there y- we do not have any evidence that um, there was any deception at all. Okay? So this it's all about the resurrection. paul That's what Paul's going through here. And he... Um, let me flip, flip back over to 1 Corinthians 15. That's what he is defending. And he didn't have all of the theories that have come up since... But he's defending it anyway with his own, um, as, as I just read, he was buried. He, he raised on the third day. According to the scriptures, he appeared to Cephas. He appeared to 500, right? Um, he appeared to James. He appeared to me. Um, and, said, and it talks about later, it talks about having a changed life. Paul is defending the resurrection. Now the, the last thing is the most difficult to defend is, is most difficult to kind of uh, break down the the whole idea of a myth, and we've even had Christian quote unquote theologians who have perpetuated this that it, it's really a, a myth created by the apostles that to to perpetuate Christianity. Okay, and the whole idea um, about a myth is it. It, it will be created, but then it takes about you know it takes several generations in order for that myth to take hold. That's just the way it works. And the people who have who've gone through and who have studied myths, that's what they've found: is it takes several generations for that to actually take hold and for people to start believing it, for it to be widespread enough that people will actually believe. And it is not the case with with Jesus. It cannot be a myth. We have Paul right here saying that Jesus rose. And we have Luke who is talking about Jesus rising. He, he, we know that Luke wrote Luke and Acts before Paul died. So this is very, very close to the time that Jesus actually died and rose. And we have people saying, no, this is true. This is the case. We do, myths don't work that way. Even and if, if you think about it, um, when, you, when you think about myths, they're all very, very fantastic. They would have come up with a much better idea if it was just left to them. Okay? This, was, this could not have been a myth. It doesn't sound like a myth. It doesn't feel like a myth. And the time frame is not able, uh, there's not enough time for it to, to go worldwide. And for everyone to believe, all right, So the the whole idea that it is a myth just could not have happened, all right? So these are these are the main arguments of did did Jesus die? Is, is not just die, because that's not really argued as much. Everybody who has ever lived that's not alive right now has died. People don't argue about did Jesus die. Everybody believes he died. But they argue about, did he really rise again? Because if he rose, if he rose, and we're not saying he just rose like Lazarus and then died again, but if he rose and had a different type of body, then he's God. And the whole thing is true. So the resurrection is central to Christianity. And when we are, when we are out there sharing the gospel, then we, we need to realize that the resurrection is central. And we need to be aware of some of these arguments. And if somebody, if somebody says, well, he, he really didn't rise again, you can ask them, well, what makes you think that he didn't rise again? Well, he, he wasn't really dead in the first place. You could say, really, you think the Romans would let him off the cross with him not being dead? How, how did he get out of the tomb? You think a half-dead guy could move a huge stone from the inside? Well, the, the apostles all lied. Really? How many people go to their death when, uh, you know, a martyr's death, and all of them, none of them piped up and said, yeah, it was a lie? oh, it's just, it's just a myth. It just don't work like that. They couldn't make that up and have it go worldwide inside of 40 years. Besides, you had everybody, all the Romans and, and all the Jews, who were right there to say, no, your myth isn't true. Your lie isn't true. Here's a dead body to prove it. So the only the only thing, the only logical, the only logical equation, the only logical um, answer is that Jesus rose again from the dead. It's all, it's all about the resurrection. We see, um, we see in this passage um let me, let me skip that so we talked about the resurrection of Christ um, right it's, it's all about his resurrection let me let me just once again mention um, the resurrection of Jesus is central because Jesus rose again, all of our sins could be forgiven. Right? Because Jesus rose, our sins are forgiven. Without our sins being forgiven, we are dead. And what Paul is what Paul is going through here. I'm I'm, gonna, I'm trying to transition a little bit here. Okay, what Paul is getting into. People are saying uh, there is no there is no resurrection of the dead. That we have no uh, the idea is there is no hope for resurrection. Okay, well, Paul is arguing against that. That Jesus died. Right? He died with all of our sins on him. His, his spirit left his body. Okay? You understand that? Okay? Jesus, Jesus has a body, when, when he was on the earth, he had a body and a spirit inside that body. They nailed him to the cross. All the sins of the world were, were upon him. When he died, his spirit left his body. They put his body in a tomb. Right. Then on the third day, he was given a different type of body, a resurrected body. Now, this is kind of a mystery because I don't know of anybody in here at least, I don't know somebody who can say, yes, I've seen the resurrected body of Jesus like the apostles did where he said, hey, come here, put your hand over here or he, he sat down at the table with them and said, "Hey, could you fix me a meal? I'd like some fish, please." Okay? The resurrected body of Jesus could pop in and out of rooms. He could go through locked doors. The the uh, he he would be on the he'd be on the shore. He would eat with people. He he could say, "Come" and, and touch my side. It, it wasn't a ghost. It but it was a it's a different type of, of body. It's not flesh like we are flesh. But at the same time, he's touchable. And if that happened with Jesus, it'll happen with us. When we die, our body and our spirit will be separated from one another. If you die and you know Jesus, Paul says, To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. Your body and your spirit will be separated. Your spirit will be with Jesus. Now at some point in the future if it happened to Jesus where his spirit came and then he had a resurrected body and his body was totally changed. If it happened to Jesus it will happen to us. And that is the hope of our forever time with Christ is that that at some point it, it's really interesting. In, in Second Corinthians, Paul says, "I don't want to be unclothed," meaning I don't want my my spirit, and my body, to be separated from each other. It's really kind of a fascinating passage. It's kind of clothed in mystery, but at right? but some point, because it was Jesus paved the way for us. So at some point, even though we are separated from, some point our spirit and our resurrected body will get back together. And we will have a resurrected body like Christ. It's all about the resurrection. It's all about the resurrection of Christ. It's all about a, the resurrection power for the world. Actually, I got into my other point too soon. But look at, look at this. Um, verse 20. 1 uh, Corinthians fifteen twenty. 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. Okay? First fruits. He, um, he paved the way for us. Just as it happened to Jesus, it will happen to us. Those who are asleep are those who have, have died in Christ. For since by a man came death, Adam, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ, that is coming. Then comes the end. So everybody talks about the end of the world, right? Then comes the end. What does the end look like? When he, that is Jesus, hands over the kingdom to the God and Father when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet the last enemy that will be abolished is death. So, what does the end look like? When Jesus has, the, it's it's about the resurrection power for the world. Okay, and this is what it's saying: Jesus rose again in power, so that he can put every enemy underneath his feet for the entire world. When does the end come? When everything's when everything's defeated. Everybody wants to know, when when will Jesus come back? When is Jesus going to come back? Well, He will reign. He's going to sit in his chair in heaven until every enemy on earth is abolished. He's not going to get up until. You know when he's going to come back? Well, what does the earth look like? Does it look good? Or does it look like it's going the other direction? It's resurrection power for the world. It's all about the resurrection. Jesus conquered death. He conquered every... In fact, uh, we had a, a past, one of our pastors years ago, um, he used to say, you know, the greatest miracle that ever happened was the resurrection of Christ because all hell opposed it. All hell opposed the resurrection. Now, I can't prove that in Scripture, but I think he's right. All hell opposed Jesus rising from the dead. He did. And the whole idea is to bring the resurrection power for the entire world. And we're a part of that. We're a part of that. Taking that resurrection power to the world. Giving them the gospel. How does the world change? One person at a time. One family at a time. One town at a time. One state at a time. And as that changes, every enemy is brought underneath his feet. I mentioned last week. One person. He'll win one person this year. One person. Each one win one. Resurrection power for the world. It's also resurrection power for us. I already talked about that somewhat, but um just oh, let, me, let me say this I on this is in the side real quickly before I get going um, one of the um, one of the most difficult verses in all of the Bible is in this chapter okay verse 29 otherwise what will what will those do who are baptized for the dead if the dead are not raised at all why then are they baptized for them I read up on that this week, and I, I I saw somewhere I think there's like 70 different possibilities for for that. Why, why? what in the world is he talking about? Why are people baptized for the dead? And in, in the whole the the language there, the 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 grammar is um, people are being that somebody like this, you know my 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 great aunt Sally, who um, who didn't know Jesus. Uh, I wanted to make sure that she she's okay after death. So would you baptize me for her? Okay, that's what the language really sounds like it's doing. everybody's going, Jane's like, that's really weird. <laughs> it is weird. It sounds really weird to us, but that's what that's kind of what it says. Here's what I think's going on. Okay, here's what I believe's going on. I believe that that was happening probably in a different sect of something going on in Corinth. Okay. Paul is not saying that this is something that's right. What he is doing is he's using something that's happening at the time and using it for the basis of an argument, which he does. Remember, remember, on, uh, sermon on Mars Hill. I saw this god, this this statue to the unknown god. Let me tell you about that god, the god who created heaven and the earth is the true God. So Paul takes something from what's going on and then makes an, a logical argument, not that he agrees. he doesn't agree with all the idols, he doesn't agree right? He takes this, this arg- something that's happening and then says, this even proves what I'm saying. There's another place he says uh, he talks about the, the Cretan philosophers. they're they're, 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 all ter- they're all terrible and that even proves what I'm saying he takes things that are going on in the day, and he says, "This is not the, that is right, but it proves my point." So, again, this is my thought. If you want to read about it, you can probably find like sixty-nine other thoughts. All right, that. Um, but I think what Paul is doing is he's not saying this is something that's right but he's making a logical argument from something that's going on in the area that everybody knew about and saying if the dead are not raised why would they be why would people even think about being baptized for them? So that's about resurrection power for us also. Um, Verse 35 some, someone will say, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they, do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. Now what you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished, and to each of the seeds a body of its own. All flesh is not the same. There is the one flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, another of fish. There is also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is one, and the glory of the earthly is another. There's only one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory for the stars, for different, difference from, um, for star differs from, from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory, it's sown in weakness, it's raised in power, it's sown natural, it's raised as spiritual. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So also is it written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. As is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have been uh, born in the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. The resurrection power for us. Which means we need to be living right now in the resurrection power of Christ. We need to be living right now in the resurrection power of Jesus. Now, someday, we will be fully resurrected. Given our resurrected body. But as Jesus lived, remember, Jesus is the first fruits, right? So as he lived his life on the earth, that's how we should be living. What did Jesus do? He, well, he went and told. He went and gave the gospel. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He lived a life without sin. Do I think any of you all will be sinless? No, I don't. Unfortunately, I know I'm not. But, what, but we should be getting out of whatever sin holds on to us. Jesus didn't rise again so that we'd be so we'd be stuck. He rose again so that all of the sin that entangles us and holds us, and that we have a continual that continually crop, you know, creeps back up on, those sins can be broken. We should be living the resurrected power of life right now just like Jesus did before he died. Please get this. Jesus was our example. The way he lived his life on earth. He died. We will die. He rose again. We will rise again. But because we're his... We get to live just like him now. Just like him now. If we're not doing that, then let's get our lives in line with him. We can live in that resurrection power right now. and Ultimately, we get closer and closer and closer to him and one day we'll see him face to face. And that will be a terrific, terrific day. As you read in the the chapter, if you keep on going, it says, it's the great verse that says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? For the power of sin is is sin and death. But thanks be to God, because he is conquered. And because he is conquered, so have we we put our trust in Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, that thank you that you cared enough to come and to die. I can't imagine. Knowing you would die you came anyway. Knowing the type of death, you came anyway. Knowing that your body would be broken, knowing that you would be separated, knowing that you would have all the sins of the world upon your shoulders. He said yes anyway. Lord, thank you. We don't deserve the life that you give to us. Lord, but help us to live our life worthy of you. We're supposed to be living like you, Lord. Help us to do that. And whether that is we need to be more bold in our faith, we need to share the gospel more, we need to get out there and heal the sick, raise the dead. Whether we need to get out of sin. Lord, let us live our lives like you in hope as a resurrection.